2: all right what's up guys welcome back to the dnvr draft podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook i'm justin michael jake is here dre is here we're talking about the senior bowl and just some of our takeaways from it dre was out in mobile for the event um what was it like i guess dre just kind of set the scene did you have a good time out there it looks like there was some some weather for part of it but it worked out pretty well for the game
0: yeah it's kind of nuts i mean it I'm not going to derail the conversation too much because there's so much to get into. It was actually a really nice showing um, and I mean credit to the Senior Bowl for just really upping the level of competition and the level of prospects that they've been able to bring in um, over the last decade. It's been incredible. But they got to figure something out with these locations because we only got one good weather day. I was amazed. They practiced out in the rain in day two um, and I think it's a semi-miracle no one got injured um and it made for an interesting and a bit more complex eval having one of those days in the rain and then the third day a lot of media leave anyway on that thursday no one stays around for the game anyway so some people try to get out early on thursday and that was limited capacity anyways because it was in the indoor gym and you're only going to get so much room and you know obviously they're prioritizing media partners like NFL network and ESPN who actually broadcast part of that practice. Um, and you know, obviously scouting and NFL personnel on top of like local Alabama media, which is a funny choice. So we all kind of got to view that the same way through Twitter, through the actual live practice footage that we were able to see and record on NFL network and ESPN, but that created for a much different experience as well. Cause in that indoor gym, they are really limited to mostly like red zone area stuff. Um, So a, a unique setting. And I think while it keeps being a really nice showcase, all the different circumstances do kind of force you to like frame what you saw in a certain in a certain mind frame and remind yourself it's still just three days of guys playing for the first time with each other, for the first time with these coaches, so it's very much training wheels, and you got to all put that in perspective.
2: How, How many yards is was... in the indoor? Just real quick.:
0: I think that's like a 70 yard
2: gym. Dang. I mean, even there are like Texases and there are high schools
1: in Texas that have 100 yard indoor facilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game was at the uh, the new stadium, right? Not at old uh, lad people's uh, real yeah. quick. Don't want to get away from the important stuff. But how was that? Yeah, we'd been at
0: South Alabama before because of the indoor gym um, and weather. Uh, nice, nice. It's a newer facility. You have a lot more room, a lot more room to move around um and also i don't know if because of covid or what they it just seemed like more spacious like there weren't as many people there um more concessions set up more like shops set up more even like uh stands for media um creators so they definitely seem to be taking into account making it easier to do all that stuff but of course by, by day two we were soaking wet and uh getting rained on so that complicated things and then day three i told you already so um it, it's a nice new setting but uh you know always a little nostalgia for lab peoples for sure
1: yeah
2: you mentioned that nobody got hurt and obviously that's that's Crazy. good that it played out that way but I do think there was probably some value, I guess, for the scouts and the teams in that sense and seeing how, you know, some of these players, quarterbacks, wide receivers, especially, kind of handled, you know, playing in the inclement weather. Totally. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, let's get into it. Trey McBride catching everything and anything. It was a day where obviously a ton of drops. Trey, one of the few guys just hauling in every single thing. Didn't matter if the pass was in front of him behind him right on the money if the defender was draped on him or five yards behind on some inca trey was coming down with everything really impressed kenny pickett I, we're gonna read a lot of reports and there's a lot of confirmation bias in this kind of stuff i thought he was relatively accurate and was able to um complete a decent amount of passes even on that second day with the weather it was all short though right So he wasn't really pushing the ball. He wasn't really letting it rip. And when you watch the other practice where you had Howe and Malik Willis or you even watch Carson Strong, Carson was just letting it rip, zero fear, just cutting through it. Howell Malik, taking plenty of deep shots, you know, moving around and taking off-balance throws. Those guys had such a different, like, confidence and will to try things out in that weather. Even Bailey Zappi, frankly, than Pickett, who was just like Mr. Conservative on that day. And the other note from that rainy day, uh, it led to some great one-on-one matchups, especially in the trenches. And Zion Johnson, um, a guy that we are all huge fans of, and really was a standout day one and day three for me and was allotted as the practice player of the week. I thought day two was terrible for Zion. I actually thought he was one of the worst offensive linemen on the field and just wasn't really getting his footing. For a guy who's been at Boston College all those years, that's somewhat surprising. But to his credit, he was the only guy who stayed after practice, was practicing his snaps because he was getting tons of snaps, both at guard and center. Um, so credit to him for that. Those were my biggest takeaways from like, yeah, weather impacted. And the, these are the guys that both stood out, and maybe we're hindered by it.
2: We'll we'll get back into the, some of the QB talk at the end. Um, I was just kind of curious, you know, how the weather would, I I would imagine, like you said, it made some guys look better, like Trey McBride, who just had a good week. And Drey and I already talked about Trey pretty extensively on the Rams pod, so go back and check that out if you missed it. But uh, just briefly, real quick, I mean, it, it seems to to me like the consensus amongst draft Twitter at this point is Trey McBride is kind of separated himself from some of these other guys as, as tight end one. Is is that me with my Rams glasses on or is that really what's happening here?
0: I mean, I, I don't... You guys fill me in on if you were seeing this as well during Senior Bowl week, but it really seemed to look like Trey went mainstream that week. Um, and kind of, we kind of laid out two scenarios pre-Senior Bowl. Um, and one of them was like, he's just going to check off every single box and with a draft class that has so many, like, question marks, he's just going to jump up into being, like, a consensus top 20 prospect because he's just, like, so safe. And that's kind of exactly what happened. He um, he is hurt by the weigh-ins being just over 6'3", so really short for a tight end. But, um, geez, it didn't matter at all on contested ball catches um, and just being able to stretch out and catch everything. And, I mean, those ginormous hands – any of us who've met Trey and shook his hand like that's you just know that automatically and his long ass arms I mean he has franchise left tackle type ginormous Mr. Giganto type arms um That's why nobody's that,
2: ever noticed his height until literally like this year exactly
0: and it certainly doesn't impact him when he has to stretch out and come down with contested catches and gosh that the height plus long arms just seemed to give him such an advantage as a blocker. I mean, that that leverage gain plus the length gain, he was just uh, Mr. Clamps. Um, so, yeah, he checked off every box. And the one question you might have had about him, uh, he, he answered as far as blocking with flying colors. And, I mean, he's just, when you see him on the field against future NFL linebackers and safeties and DBs, he's just at a different level in his ability to get in and out of cuts and uh, come down with stuff.
1: Um, was anyone able to give him any issues, whether in pass coverage or blocking in the one v ones at all that you saw? Um, there was a video want...
2: of Chad Muma kind of torching him one time on a pass rush, but I always hate when they show like one clip. Cause it's like, you know, these guys go against each other 10 times. Let's see kind of what happened over the course of it. But,
0: I thought the guy who kind of handled himself the most without getting him embarrassed was uh Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety, who mm-hmm. kind of had a, a decent showing. But um like guys could stay with him, but then when the ball was in the air, he was just coming down with everything.
2: Who um it, it was obviously a really stacked tight end class, and I think people knew going into this that tight end and linebacker would mm-hmm. be strengths. I don't understand why they didn't show more of that on TV. To be honest, especially saw some running backs and stuff. So who cares? You know, shows the receivers, shows the tight ends, shows the linebackers. Who stood out to you? I mean, Trey scored in the game. Uh, the, the Wisconsin guy scored in the game. I think he had a couple of, a nice couple of days of practice. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I'm sorry. I'm tired. Um, who stood out to you though in in this position group? But uh, Cole Turner was there. Isaiah Likely.
0: Yeah, uh Cole
2: Turner had some
0: nice grabs. I mean, the uh the Nevada dudes definitely flashed and did stuff all week. And you know, Jake Ferguson's who you're thinking of uh at Wisconsin, who definitely like looks apart and did have a good game. Greg Dulcich, though, I thought the tight end out of UCLA as a pass catcher was probably the biggest standout outside of um Trey at the tight end position. Isaiah likely used more like an H back. Moved around, yeah. Kind of him and Jeremiah Hall both used in that hybrid fullback, um, tight end. And uh, so it, honestly, we expected a little more from Isaiah Likely to the point that, um, Ryan and I, who have been betting on Coastal for two seasons now, like only two days in, Ryan was like, Wait, that's Isaiah Likely, um, so not a great sign for him, and then, um. <laughs> Not to be, not to go negative, but Daniel Bellinger, the tight end from San Diego State, just cooked on the regular um, in blocking drills. In fact, why do they even do that? Like just sacrificial lambs, these tight ends put on one on ones. Like big whoop, you you beat a tight end one on one. Like okay, you
1: might make the UCFL. Like good for you. Let's let's see some real. Well, this happened in the game. I think uh, it was. Charlie Kohler just got absolutely blown up by somebody like real early on. And it was just like, well, I mean, that's what happens when a big edge that uh, is way more athletic than the, you know, a big white guy and Charlie Kohler comes through, bursting through the lines, swim and move all these arms flying. Um, real quick uh, in one-on-ones with the wide receivers, um, anyone that you didn't expect to see really show out that, that really came in and impressed you?
0: Honestly, didn't have a ton of expectations for this receiver group in general. Um, Velas Jones Jr., the Tennessee kid, such such classic Tennessee. Like, Tennessee and Florida State, man. Just, like, find those former five stars who it's like the tape. They're like ghosts out there. And then, shit, you just see them in pads. And it's like, dang, this guy looks talented. Um, And he does. He's got length. He's got um, speed. He's twitched up. Uh, just competing. But um we were there with some PHNX guys, and those guys were obviously way more dialed in on the skill positions than we were like on the quarterbacks and in the trenches. And uh, Jalen Tolbert was a guy who they just constantly were praising. And you know, when I'd kind of see stuff, it really was like Tolbert, the uh, South Alabama kid, so local standout mm-hmm. um was actually coming down with a ton of balls, and just like Separating, moving, moving really smoothly. He's got, he's kind of a big body wide receiver too. Um, and then I was surprised to see uh Daniel Jeremiah put him in his top 50, but uh kind of capitalizing off a big week. Jalen Talbert, I thought was a massive standout. And um the guy's like little shifty Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis. But, you know, he's he's the classic like non football athlete on a football field. You know, he's a track athlete on a football field, and it's like, those guys stand out, um, especially in this modern NFL where every team can afford to have like one or two of those dudes.
2: So you can just have like five plays for him, or it's, you know, it doesn't matter if he can't block, doesn't matter if he doesn't run good routes. If we can get the ball in his hands, he's just going to be faster than everybody else on the field. Um, a couple of the receivers that at least stood out to me from watching, you know, from, from back home, I was impressed by Khalil Shakir, the Boise State wide receiver. He's a guy who's who's really talented. Um, I was also impressed by by Romeo Dubs. Dre already mentioned the Nevada guys kind of flashed. He's a big body wide receiver, can really go up and get it. But I think he he showed his versatility a little bit more, at least with some of the clips I was able to saw. You know, you look up all his highlights; it's just him kind of to- torching people on go routes or you know mossing people on fades. But he's a he's a nice little receiver, and I think he's pretty fluid for a guy with his size. Great point.
0: Yep. Uh, Romeo is definitely a guy I neglected. I thought Alec Pierce looked good too. Um, maybe he didn't blow you away, but he's a guy who just looks like solid in all areas. He's got good length. He's a good route runner. He positions his body well. Um, won a ton of plays, you know, the Cincy wide out looked good.
1: From what I saw, it seemed like uh, Danny Gray, the SMU receiver, uh, had some really nice plays too. He seems like of everyone that I saw, at least um, to have the most top end he was able to really stack and get on top of defensive backs really quickly and it created for some easy throws for some quarterbacks deep in the one-on-one period
2: the moment we've been waiting for since september is finally here in honor of the big game DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of super bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team bet five dollars get 280 in free bets if your team wins If you're not a new customer, that's okay. You can always get involved with the Super Bowl 56 props or just hit up the same game parlay. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet $5. Get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's with the promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, I also want to tell you about my friends over at Ranch Rider Spirits. Launched in 2019 and born from a food truck in Austin, Texas, Ranch Rider Spirits is employee-owned. It's a premium spirit-based seltzer brand. They were the first to put Ranch Water, the iconic Texan beverage, in a can. They use reposado tequila, six-times distilled vodka, sparkling water, and fresh-squeezed citrus. They don't use any added sugars, no artificial preservatives, no sugar at all, no shit. After two years on the market, they have established themselves as one of the top 10 fastest-selling alcohol brands in the country. To pick up your own Ranch Rider, visit RanchRiderSpirits.com to find a location near you. It's going to be perfect. Super Bowl's coming up. Obviously, need some brews, want to relax, maybe have some Ranch Rider, eat some nachos. Sounds like a match made in heaven. For a a class that wasn't necessarily a a senior bowl class, I should say, the the draft class, the 2022 wide receiver class is, is... awesome but the you know going in I don't think it was that exciting at least on paper for the senior bowl so I was kind of pleasantly surprised how how some of these guys performed especially the mountain west guys nice to kind of see them make a name for themselves let's flip it over to the other side though were there any defensive backs that kind of stood out in in coverage anybody you think has really helped their draft stock here there wasn't I mean there wasn't anybody that was like glaring to me I was like man you gotta have that guy
0: uh, I mentioned Jalen Petrie, who I thought was solid, and Kobe Bryant, the corner at he um, probably the highest-ranked corner that we had. Well, we'll get into that in a sec. Uh, in the in the discussion to be the highest-ranked corner that was there in Alabama, um, right there with Roger McCreary and Darian Kennard, or Darian Kendrick. Holy shit, those two give me such issues. <laughs> um... In in attendance, right? And um, he was super consistent. And we haven't talked about him much during the season because he was opposite Sauce Gardner and didn't get tested too, too, too much. But um, that kid's super solid. And I think, you know, he could fit so well in some of these um, cover three schemes you're just seeing more of just because he's super solid. Roger McCreary, as advertised, dude, just a dog out there competing Um, really looked the part, really looked the part and Darian Kendrick, the Georgia former Clemson guy, a dude who on this podcast, we have been talking about for at least two years, man, absolutely roasted day one, really picked it up the next two days. It was kind of wild seeing him consistently get beat. Um, it wasn't even like, Oh, it was one guy specifically giving him trouble. He was just getting, um, beat especially deep the entire day. And he was on that American squad with Malik and Sam, Howell, who just were like, not afraid to let it rip at all. And he really um, was hurt by that. So those are guys that um, stood out good and bad and kind of the bigger names. I will say who, who's the guy with all the length. Okay. I'll look this up. Is it the
1: the UTSA guy?
0: Yeah. The UTSA kid. Um, It is so long. He's like wide receiver long, like in the six, three, six, fours. So obviously he's, he's going to look not super twitched up and going to struggle when he's pressed up and closer at the line of scrimmage with some guys, but that length and kind of his movement, um, on intermediate to deep routes really stood out. And he feels like a guy, a developmental piece who could be intriguing in a
1: couple of years. Yeah, I saw the same thing with him. Uh, the length was it just popped off the screen, honestly. Yes. And then you go to the numbers here. Uh, he has easily the biggest wingspan at 79 inches, um, almost has left tackle length arms, uh, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, I did see some of the same things he did kind of when it became a foot race and he you know was forced to kind of really turn and bail. Uh, you saw some limitations there. Um, and obviously, you know, when you're that lengthy and stuff, that's probably going to, as you said, where you're probably going to be the most exposed. Um, but off the line is where I was most impressed with him. Same with McCreary. I thought he was really smooth, uh, off the line too. Um, and I saw the same thing with Kendrick. He got caught reaching in the cookie jar a couple of times and the wide receivers just off the line, just beat him. Um, but overall it was a a very impressive group. I thought, uh, very fun to watch the, uh, there's a North Carolina guy at cornerback. I can't uh, find his name right now, but he was impressive at times. I thought also.
2: For the record, the UTSA corner is Tariq Woolen. We didn't say his name at any point. Yes. Um, yeah, we need that. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. You guys want to talk linebackers? Just I don't know. I feel like we've just kind of like worked away like around the field at this point, and then Absolutely. we eventually we'll get to the quarterbacks and and all that, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're the draft pod, so we might as well go go through it position by position. I love hearing your guys' kind of perspective, um, because honestly, there's so much going on and so many dudes to cover. You that. can't watch it all. It's impossible. Oh, you you yeah. need several sets of eyes. Um, yeah, it's a shame we don't have Hank on here, because Troy Anderson, uh, Montana State, did stand out. Um, moving well in coverage. The dude's got really good size and stuff i thought derek beavers the cincy linebacker uh showed some things both in pass rush drills look he's not going to be the smoothest in coverage but i thought he did enough um and chad mumma guy who we've talked about moved well um and held his own and i think to some extent more so than the off-ball linebackers who's who i tried to give you a a brief summary of here, Justin, um, the edge rushers are the guys we'll want to talk about a little bit. Channing Tindell, the, um, linebacker opposite Nakobe Dean and Quay Walker, uh, look good. Look good. He, we know that he's a North and South kind of hammer, right? He'll come down, but he seemed to move fairly naturally as well, though. Uh, he did have a really fun battle, with B. Rob, um, the uh, Brian Robinson, the uh, Alabama running back to end practice number three in pass pro, with Tyndale trying to get him as a pass rusher. But yeah,
2: those would be the big standouts from the linebacker group. Any um, concerns can- about Muma's size, real quick? Just obviously, he moves really well side to side. He's not like, freaking, you know, he's not that physically imposing when you look. I don't think strength is going to be a concern for him, but he's definitely a little bit smaller for an NFL linebacker.
0: Yeah, for sure. You just don't see it tested much in the practice, you know. it's kind of sucks. Like, it's it's a hard eval for the running backs, as you guys were alluding to. That's yeah, so it's, much like,
2: I don't even take anything away from it. What's the point? That's practice. Yeah. yeah, why would you care? I mean, we can get
0: into the running backs, especially from what we saw in the game, and like, there's some intriguing stuff, but
1: it's limited did we see any you. of the guys uh like Jermaine Johnson or uh Ketty drop back in coverage at all or was that all or were they all on the trench
0: play I'm sure we did I didn't zero in on that too much um MJ Sanders as well Enigbare everyone got a few reps there but I, I think actually Enigbare more so um than most but Jermaine Johnson, especially, mostly hand in the ground, go after him, go get him. He's kind of a heavier edge, too. Ebikitty, yeah, they dropped him a little more. Um, But, man, as far as linebackers and edges go, the other Penn State kid really stood out, Jesse Lucchetta. He was getting after it as a pass rusher. And, um, I mean, we might as well get into it uh Jermaine Johnson certainly a standout man he's all power and length and so sometimes he does leave you a little bit to be desired as far as twitch and being able to like counter if he doesn't win on the first move or kind of get that first step but man he's he's a handful and then um me really stood out Jay just he's a guy who if you didn't know you'd be like whoa who's who's that guy um. Just. I think he cemented
2: his status as a top fifty
0: prospect. Oh, a hundred percent. And then, um, two guys under the radar who I didn't expect: Boya Mafe, the Minnesota kid, who I'm sure you guys saw light it up in the game, and the Miami of Ohio is a Dominique Robinson, the converted mm-hmm. wide receiver. He um he had a great game and um just long, kind of twitched up really talented edge rusher.
2: Putting you on, um, putting you both on the spot here out of these edge guys that participated in the senior bowl, who do you see as the best fit in Denver?
1: Oh man. Good question. Um, You know, I liked Ebb kitty a lot from uh, what I saw from him. Um, I think he's kind of, something that uh, Denver could work with. Uh, He's more of a, I don't want to say he's a hybrid, but I think he's more so of a hybrid than some of these guys. Um, Maje Sanders, though, he was a standout to me. Um, And then why not go back to the Ohio State? Well, I thought Tyreek Smith played well at times too. Um, Really showed some burst off the edge. He could really turn the corner on some of those tackles.
0: You know, I'm honestly mad at myself. I'm mad at draft Twitter. I'm mad at us. I'm mad at a lot of people, um, and actually um, maybe more of a standout than the Miami of Ohio was D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky kid, who really was a phenomenal edge rusher. But no, I'm upset at all of us for not talking about Kingsley and Ibarre enough, a guy who was just aces in the SEC and was just super solid in all phases, and when he had one-on-ones, it was like, dude, you're toasted. Like, you, you don't know how to – you can't mess with this all sec guy. Like you might be a nice player in a couple of years. Kingsley is right now. Um, is he a three dude, down guy to you? I think he is. I think he might be the most three down ready of all the edges we've talked about, honestly.
2: Um, because I, that was, like, I was going to say, that was probably my biggest concern about all of them is I like Sanders you know, a lot. Yeah, and exactly. I think this kind of pushed me more towards wanting to buy into him, but I don't know. I do worry that he's more of a third down type guy, but yeah. I mean there's value in that. It's not like you can't you know, there are guys that do that and get 10 sacks a year, but I I would I think it would be nice for Denver at least specifically to find somebody that can be that, you know, Von Miller role that, you know, his his impact in the run game, especially these last couple of years once some of the Super Bowl 50 pieces had moved on was was substantial. I mean, it doesn't necessarily stand out in the in the stat sheet, but just the work that he does, and they got to double him, and I don't know. It was. I a- mean,
0: I think there's a lot of really intriguing developmental edges, but Kingsley's more like the real deal right now. Yeah. You know? And maybe limited upside
1: compared to some of these other dudes, but whatever. Just looking at the measurements, though, it looks like he has the biggest hands, biggest arm length, and one of the biggest wingspans in the edge class. Um, it was on display at times. You could see him just get an arm right inside uh, on the chest and some of these tackles and guards. And it was just game over from that point.
2: Yep. I don't want to use hyperbole, but it kind of reminded me, especially with the, like how low he could get kind of reminded me of DeMarcus Ware with the way he'd use that arm and then just kind of get around the edge there. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I I was impressed. Like, I don't think anybody necessarily lit up the world, at least in, in what I saw, but mm-hmm. I, I think everybody was solid. like, all these guys, but if you could get them in the mid round, I think I think you'd be pretty satisfied. Um, right before we move right. into the trenches, how uh, did you see? Did you get to watch Devin Lloyd at all while you were out there?
0: Mm. No, no, wasn't out there. So really sucked.
2: No Devin Lloyd. Um, I was gonna say I didn't. I didn't see like any tweets about him hardly. I didn't get to see no. it like they, it was hardly on TV. Like I, it was like he wasn't even there
0: yeah he was one of the top guys that stood that didn't come, so okay, it is it. what it
2: is, yeah exactly
0: um man, the trenches these defensive tackles we've kind of been in a defensive tackle drought the last couple of years. It's something we've talked about on this pod um and like <sighs> travis Jones, Connecticut, absolute fire hydrant um and I think. Maybe even more so is the l s u defensive tackle Neil Farrell, who mm-hmm. was just beastly um and in the backfield constantly and maybe the standout of the entire week with those two was Perian Winfrey, who's not a bowling ball defensive tackle fire hydrant, but he is more of a length um a guy who was misplaced in Oklahoma's front as more
2: of a nose clearly that's the thing who, it's like he he really doesn't stand out when you watch him but now uh, it makes sense he was just they had him in the wrong role totally and i mean he could
0: be a rotational 5 tech who is a problem right from the get he was probably the hardest to block one on one all week um just 95 from Oklahoma killing it so honestly those were some of the biggest standouts the entire week especially practice Otito Banya the UCLA defensive tackle also a standout so I felt like we had a lot of um, dudes to work with in this uh, interior defensive line class which is really nice you know beyond the big names that we've been talking about I will say speaking of big names didn't see a ton out of Devante Wyatt. The guy who I've loved all season didn't see a ton out of Cameron Thomas, a length uh five tech out of San Diego State, who we've talked up for his
2: upside. That's and another then, guy I was bummed to not see much coverage on, or people, you know, being like, ooh, look at Cameron Cameron Thomas on the strip. Like every couple of minutes, you know, we were seeing Trey McBride and a couple of other of these guys, but some of these other guys I was really hoping would stand out Lloyd and, and him just didn't do it. Okay,
0: beautiful. And then shit, I can't find this. The the Bama kid, the Bama D lineman who was on there. Oh um, I'm just oh Perry Fiderian Mathis. There Fideria, it is. Yeah. I'm just scrolling through rosters and notes. Um Fiderian Mathis, disappointing. Disappointing. Really? Had you swapped helmets, I would have totally thought uh the Oklahoma kid was Mathis and vice versa.
2: I thought he had a pretty nice um, year. Like all He time, did. All things
0: considered, Came along but, late. He really yeah. did. He really did. Yeah.
1: A couple notes I have. Uh, Logan Hall, the guy from Houston, he kind of reminded me actually of uh, Peyton Turner from Houston last year, just in terms of he's really big. He can kind of play inside and outside, really like versatile. Um, he's long. Um, as I mentioned, he's big, probably one of the biggest edges that was there at the Senior Bowl. Um, but you saw that versatility in the one-on-ones. Uh, I thought Devontae Wyatt had some moments, um, particularly rushing inside in one-on-ones, for sure. um, but for the most part, I agreed. Um, and then who else do I have? Oh, did you see the one-on-one battle? Uh, apparently, uh, there was a best of three between Darian Kennard and Jermaine Johnson. Were you there yeah. up close and personal for that?
0: Yep. We were the stadiums basically empty. Now that's how the lions, um, ended every single practice by kind of highlighting a lit one-on-one from earlier in the day and making that an offense versus defense and whoever won that one-on-one matchup, then the, the loser is unit. So the offense or defense would have to do pushups. Um, that's how they ended day two. It was awesome. Um, Johnson just like murders Kennard on the first two and then Kennard got him to end on the third and completely locked them up and um, won the day. That's a great segment into the O-line since I only have eight minutes left. Um, A lot of guys we had our eyes on. Kennard, I thought, was definitely pretty disappointing. Mostly tried at right tackle, the former Kentucky right tackle. Um, so shouts to our guy, Kentucky UDFA. Um, yeah, just not not as consistent as I would like. I came into the week, um, lauding Jamari Salier, the left tackle out of Georgia. Honestly, I was starting to cook up a take of like I'd lo- I'd prefer Salier at 40 than Ikim Ikwanu at nine because they're similarly powerful. Um bruising offensive tackles who honestly might be better put inside. I was off. Ikuanu has a different, like, mass and ability to move people. And honestly, speaking of mass and ability to move people, watching Daniel Falele, the massive right tackle out of Minnesota, who's just, like, a different dude. Talk about non-football athletes on a football field, right? Um, I, I don't know how that's going to work. He's, he's kind of a novelty prospect. I don't think that's a dude you can throw out there for 50 snaps and ask him to pass pro 30 of those and survive. I, I don't know how you do that. Um, I, I just don't think that size can play. He was just beat consistently. Amazing to like as soon as he entered, I just gravitated over to him, was taking photos, taking videos. Like He's fun to watch, and it's kind of amazing. He can even hang with most of these guys at that size, but I'm out. I'm officially, like, out, out. Um, yeah. Max Mitchell, Louisiana, and Cajun, um, small school guy who, you know, we didn't talk about a ton because the small school guys we were really focused in on were Bernard Ryman, Central Michigan, and uh, Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa. Both those guys inconsistent, but showing you flashes. And Andrew Stuber, Michigan, a guy who we've kind of... Wink, wink, like, dude, don't overlook that Michigan O-line. I don't think he'll stick a tackle, but, man, he's super solid. I trust mm-hmm.
1: him on, with a day three pick for sure. Yeah, him and uh, Hall, the guy from Houston, had some really awesome battles to watch. Um, just a couple of notes on what you said. Uh, I, I agree completely on Daniel Filele. I thought particularly my Jay Sanders, just getting around the edge on him, it was almost too easy um, and then going back to our guy Zion, man, that dude's tree—he's got tree trunks for legs, and his like lower body and anchor. I thought overall was the most impressive out of everyone. It's like he just swallowed up every single bull rush coming yeah. at him. Um, right, his anchor, went?
0: right? Like you just yeah. see that—that that combination of foot, just mobility, and then that that hip flexibility to get the feet in the position, and then just relax it in and keep you where you need to be, man, that shit's so hard against these, like these dudes who are just all leverage and strength. Um, and Zion stood out. I, I Before we get back to your notes, I do want to add Cole strange UT Chattanooga, really amazing second day practice in the rain and Abram Lucas. While all the other guys had flashes good and bad of all the tackles, the Washington state, left tackle uh, right tackle I, I apologize I actually thought was the most consistent and looks to be the most promising and NFL ready cast protector that we saw
1: um, I just have one more Chris pod of uh, uh t- is it Tulsa uh yeah did you have any takeaways from him I thought he was pretty impressive in one-on-ones I thought he handled his own really well
0: Absolutely. He stood out. Um, I mean, man, it was great showing from those small school alignment, uh, the Quinn Minerts guys, uh, Jatari Carter was also an impressive interior guy. I started off with all the tackles. I like that you wrapped it up with those interior guys because, uh, Cole strange, the, the kid you just mentioned and Jatari Carter, also, uh, Southern university also impressed. Um, on the other hand, North Dakota's Matt, go another mm-hmm. big dude who like kind of can't hang. And shit, the Fordham kid, Nick Zakiji, who mm-hmm. I see that name in my uh dyslexia makes me think he's just Zekanaji. Um he's awful. Could not like he could not finish drives because that dude was on the field. Uh, yeah. we gotta figure something out to where you can't have formations and stuff because I cannot. Watch Zakiji on one side and Charlie Cole are just getting roasted by these Edra. It's disgusting. We we can't practice and get anything out of these offensive evils if that's what we're working with.
2: It's like in the fifth and sixth grade when some guys just hit puberty way before, and you watch practice and kids are just getting wrecked, and other kids yeah. look like they're running four <laughs> fours, yeah. and other kids look like it's the first time they've ever put on a football helmet. Um, Dre has to run, so just let's let's wrap it up with some QB talk. All right. I also want to tell you about Ripple. It is a fast-acting, dissolvable, edible, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. It starts absorbing within ten minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every single time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless. It's a dissolvable powder. Ripple quick sticks are the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you're looking for. And what's awesome is there's no sketchy science here. It's a lot more dependable. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. This isn't some sweaty dude making edibles, you know, over the counter. This is legit science. So, where can you find Ripple? At Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade. They have 10, soon to be 11, starting March 1st, convenient Denver, Metro, and Aurora locations. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And podcast listeners can get 25% off non sale items when they use the code DNVR. Shop online at LightShade.com for pickup or visit a LightShade location near you. I'm telling you, it's convenient, it's clean, it's great. And 25% off, that is a killer deal. So hit up the nearest LightShade location near you. Again, 10 locations, soon to be 11 in the Denver Metro and Aurora area. Jerry might have have to dip on us at at some point during the conversation, but I think... Online, at least the, the the consensus seems to be that Malik Willis and Pickett kind of did well for themselves, all things considered. But nobody, you know, blew it away. And it's it's the same weird dilemma I think that we've been in for a couple months now, where it's like there's things to like about all of these prospects. There's also a lot of reason to be hesitant with all of these prospects. Malik Willis, he's been your guy for a couple of years now. Let's just start with him, Dre. We saw yeah. a lot of plays with him running around. How much can I value that, though, especially in a senior bowl setting where I don't think guys are necessarily going to murk you in the open field?
0: There is a vision, patience, and like him consistently being able to turn the corner and just like disappear from second level NFL talents that does stand out given that he comes from Liberty and it's stuff that translates when you watch like the Ole Miss tape or some of his other power five tape but just to just see that um when like how elite is his athleticism is going to be a question and the other thing was you saw all the inconsistency one of the biggest things that's going to stand out to Malik Willis and probably isn't going to be online or on any of the videos as they were doing the simple footwork drills with the bags, um, and throwing in the net, but you're just like, Mm -hmm. um, and how and Bailey's happy at a different speed than Malik, who's going like, he's very mechanical thinking through it step-by-step. Um, so, I mean, you're just starting from a completely different place and where you need to refine him and what have you but the most high end throws of anyone especially on the move i mean he's a natural man he's a natural and i think the big thing for him was just um getting that in person look that the athleticism in arm actually translates and is for real for real and hal was kind of the same way i honestly thought hal was the second standout and again, though, that's kind of as advertised. Hal just doesn't have that those small school questions he needs to answer. Um, so I think Malik's stock raised because he answered the most questions. The other guy who probably answered the most questions, Carson Strong, because he confirms that arm is for real, and he was moving around be- better. There's no, no brace on his knee. He's one of the few guys who you're actually going to kind of praise for like taking off and running on a seven on seven or even an 11 on 11 or like, you know, throwing on the move a little bit because you didn't see much of that on tape. And it's reminiscent of kind of Mac Jones where you saw Mac Jones do some of that stuff. And I was like, yeah, shit, I don't hate it actually. Um, I I saw Ritter kind of people pick up that hype after the game, but just like talk about the other guys confirmed some of my concerns or, you know, kind of quelled some of my, some of my concerns. he, he only made me more concerned that he's not processing, Reed. and it's all one read right now. It's all one read, and he's just so reliant on his athleticism. And when you see his athleticism compared to some of the other guys, he's got the size. He looks the part in pads and a helmet, but outside of that, eh. um, and Pickett, man, Pickett sadly is very much as advertised. And he didn't answer the concerns you had, which was how high end is that talent? Um, So I actually think he lost himself some money in this
1: one. Who do you think was the best quarterback in uh, one-on-ones, just in terms of being able to really make the receiver shine in that setting? It's probably Carson Strong. His deep balls
2: absurd like he hit the loft that he can put on it. It's just one of those where it gives receivers time to run under it. He's never going to leave you short. And that's such an asset, especially in that scenario. You know, you don't always get to do it in a game. I mean, how often do you get to drop a, you know, drop it in a bucket from 60 yards out in a game? Not very often, but in those type of settings, it's fun to watch. It's something I've
0: talked about in his development this year. Last year he was so nice with the touch, but there were some times where it was almost like he was too touch happy. This year he seemed to really mix up the fastball and, you know, the more touch ball really beautifully, especially in tighter areas in the red area. He was really acing it. But honestly, I mean, Hal and Malik were the other two guys like who really let their wide receiver shine. Um, that's where the DBs were most under pressure because those dudes weren't afraid to throw anything. It almost gave the wide receiver some confidence. To it. Those assholes were like running some deep routes when they were supposed to practice in cutters, and almost got in a fight with the defense. Who was like, "What are we doing? This isn't what we're practicing. <laughs> you can't just torch me when I'm expecting something else." <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a. Uh,
2: they um. Did any of these guys at the Senior Bowl, in your opinion, do enough to at least make it a question that they could be QB1 outside of Pickett, who is probably kind of the consensus QB1 going in? 100%. Malik Wills.
0: And I think it's probably more of a conversation with Hal now. But Malik 100% entered the conversation with this showing and to some extent with the fact that a lot of these dudes who have panned out Are the high upside raw
2: dudes? We're going to end up with three of these dudes going in the top 15 after all of this hesitancy and like, oh, is there even going to be a top?
1: Oh, they're all going to go. Always happens. Always (laughs) happens. happens. (laughs) Always happens. Yep.
2: I would set that over under
0: at two and a half in the top 15, and I'd be very on the fence. But this far out, I think enough changes to where you can take the over two and a half and you'll get that third selected. You
2: That's need something. to combine and like to interview well and have, you know, like one team fall in love with the, like the Sam Howell type, the one where people are like, is he going to be, you know, the end of the first round or second round pick? And then that guy ends up going 15 and you're like, oh, okay. All right. I guess they really liked him. Yeah. Um, Trey, do you have any other thoughts on the quarterbacks? Yeah. Um, Thank you. It's nice to to kind of hear some of this inside perspective. Um, NFL, please make more of the practice available to the public via like streaming and stuff. Like so many people live for this shit. Why is it so limited with the accessibility? Is it because they want it for teams? Like I I don't know. Maybe they don't want us to see it, but it just so seems dumb. like it's poorly played out.
0: Everyone who this actually impacts winning and losing in the NFL has the copies if we just want to be able to watch it to create more content, who cares? Like if what we, if the content we create off of this is impacting any actual NFL decision making, that's on them. That's not on us. Um, let's close it out. Two running backs. I thought looked good. Devonte price, Florida international skinny legs. Dude's a big back with little back movement skills, super intriguing. Jerome Ford, um, that new kind of back who can be a factor as a wide receiver and running back Just moves different. Really nice to watch. And then um, the Florida back started coming along. That's Jake's guy. So I'll let him finish that out. But third day looking nice and um, game looked nice. And talked about B-Rob. He's he's so reliable on third down. As much as we can talk about complimenting Javante Williams with a scat back, a super reliable third down back like B-Rob would also compliment him nicely. I will leave on that note but um, I will let you guys carry out the running back talk. This has been awesome, guys. Can't wait to do the next one and get into an updated mock with everything we've seen and heard from the Senior Bowl. It's draft season, baby. Cannot wait. Thank you, guys.
2: Much love, sure. Dre. We'll actually have two episodes next week, guys, so keep uh keep locked in. We've got a ton of draft content coming your way. Um. We'll, we'll go back to the quarterbacks, too, before we get up, because we didn't really say anything. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say on the running backs? I mean, to me, like, I, yeah. I didn't spend a ton of time watching them. So.
1: Yeah, and, you know, kind of as we mentioned, they're pretty much the toughest position to really evaluate at the senior bowl just because of the setting. Um, obviously, you don't want these guys running full speed, running through their own teammates and other draft, draft pos- prospects. Um, But in that regard, I thought that Rashad White out of Arizona State and Abram Smith out of Baylor in the game, those guys really stood out to me. Uh, um, I did see a lot of uh, Twitter hype and stuff for my guy Damian Pierce out of Florida. Um, I also saw some Twitter hype for uh, Brian Robinson too, just in terms of pass pro and third down stuff like Dre said. Um, So nice to get some confirmation there.
2: If you can be consistent on pass pro and not fumble the football, pick up first downs. You can be a running back in this league for eight years. You know, like there's there's a role mm-hmm. in the league for guys like B. Robinson. He's not going to be unless it's you know probably fluky circumstances. Like likely not going to be you know a 1,200 y- yards a year type guy. You know, 12 touchdowns, but 400 yards, five six touchdowns, picks up some first right. downs. You bring him into pass pro. Like you need guys like that. You need guys like that. So it's nice to see him kind of perform well after I think. He had a good game in in the first round of the playoffs. And then I feel like the national championship was kind of underwhelming yeah. for him. But obviously going yeah, yeah. against Georgia, you know, kind of gotta take it with a grain of salt. <laughs>
1: um we're gonna Just wrap like, it up uh, here. Uh... Yeah, I just real quick, he's like one of those guys that like he he probably is like a second stringer in the NFL, but it's like when the starter goes down, you immediately rush to the waiver wire in fantasy football because you know that this guy's gonna get like 20 carries and he may score for sure. So you're probably in for like a 15 point game. He's gonna be fun to watch.
2: And just like a good teammate, you know, like there's something to be said about a dude that was willing to serve his role and you know, earn his spot on the field and an era where not very many players are willing to do that. And I'm sounding more and more like an old man by the day, but it is <laughs> true. You know, there's some there's some validity to that criticism. You know, I I true. think we're open to player movement, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're, we're all open to criticism as well. All right. What are your thoughts on this, the quarterback situation? Um, I liked what I saw from Willis. I thought it was a lot of fun. I still, I don't know. He's just so raw. You know, I think there's so many things you'd have to coach yeah. up, but... He, he's intriguing. Is he intriguing to you tr- intriguing enough to you at this point to justify a top 10 pick?
1: Oh man. Um, we'll obviously get into this. And this, this isn't like a of,
2: an opinion and cement, you know, like we're right. going to get way more into the, into the weeds with the QBs, but
1: right. So uh, just a little preview for the listeners for next week. I do have my concerns with Malik Willis and, To be completely honest, I think I would be very nervous if the Broncos took him at nine. Um, You know, he, as we kind of talked about and Dre mentioned, out of all these guys, I think he's the guy that definitely showed the most um, in terms of practice and the game. I thought Howell was up there too, Um, but really it was just those two guys. And, you know, Willis does have all the traits though that you're you can really work with him, obviously. Um, so it's it's intriguing in that regard. But just in terms of being out starting under center week one, um, in September here, which is about seven months, I'd be I just don't really see it for him uh coming in being a starter day one. And I'd be pretty nervous if the Broncos did take him top ten, I think.
2: I'd be nervous with any of these guys in the top ten. I, I again, like there's there's things to like about them, but I'd rather have Howell at 40 or you know Carson sure, Strong right. at 40 than any of these guys in the in the top 10. I just I don't know. It feels like a lot of risk. Um, let's let's just wrap it up because we're gonna we're gonna dive into the QBs in depth next week. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun Senior Bowl. I thought out of the content we got to watch, a couple of interesting position groups. I don't know. Again,
1: you know, a lot of this you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun group. There was a <clears throat> some fun matchups. Uh, if anyone wants a deeper dive, I would suggest going on YouTube, kind of looking up the one-on-ones um, so you can get your own opinion. But there's just some really fun stuff watching these guys uh, from all over the country kind of get to go at each other. Um, I love the senior role, man. It's, it's been a while since I've been there, but it's it's a great event. It's fun to go. Um, you know, as Dre said, everyone kind of leaves before the game, but man, those practices, the vibe around those, watching those NFL teams work, it's really fun.
2: Well, and it's it's such a great opportunity. I mean, we obviously we talked about so many small school guys on this, you know, South Alabama, northern Iowa, and even right. the Mountain West guys, you know, people like Trey McBride, who aren't as you know, they're people that are locked into the Big Ten, the SEC every weekend. They're not watching Wyoming, Colorado State. You know, they I'm sure they've heard mm-hmm. about Trey McBride, but Like Dre kind of said, it was a chance for him to go mainstream. That was great to see Team DNVR athlete. I will get him on the Rams pod soon. That's all I have on the Senior Bowl. You have anything else you want to say?
1: I'm all good. Uh, Let's dive in, man. Draft season, baby.
2: It is draft season. Tune in next week. We're going to have two episodes, so keep an eye on the podcast feeds. I'm Justin for Jake, for Dre. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. Much love. Peace.